Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I can tell you what I can do, Marty. Uh, last Sunday evening, we were having a little pickup football game at the picnic, and I only sent three Tennessee fans to the hospital. But I just, no, uh, the, every time, you know, I'd get a little windy, I'd blame it on the altitude. Uh, one guy just said, Preacher, you out of shape. Yeah, but I. So, what I'm going to do is my gaff today, I'm going to blame it on the getting back to normal altitude, right? No, no worries at all, man. Hey, it's uh, awesome. But yeah, you can blame on a lot of things out there. But anyhow, God is good. I will call your attention to an Old Testament verse, if you would. I, I want you to put your finger at two places this morning. We're going to look at a couple of things. Uh, I would encourage you to look. Um, Jeremiah chapter 3, Jeremiah chapter 3, and if you just kind of put your finger there, we'll talk there in just a few minutes, and, and then in uh, Psalm 78, so Jeremiah chapter 3, Psalm 78, I'm doing something different than I planned, Miss Tina can vouch for me, I'm a prepared preacher, I sent her a big old outline, and I'll get to it later, but as I finished my week and got home through the rest of the week, and as I I uh, spent some time with the Lord, and flying always causes my prayer life to get much stronger, uh, especially when you're climbing out of that Salt Lake Valley over there. You know, it kind of gets a little bumpy, uh, but nevertheless, um, you know, I guess that's part of it, but it does increase my prayer life. But I talked to the Lord quite a bit about this, and I'm going to mention some things to you today. But I kind of just want to talk to you as your pastor today. That be all right? I do, you know, I believe as a pastor we need to be, you know, firmly convinced about Scripture and preach with passion and, and compassion. But there are times we just need to stop and talk to our family. And I'm going to felt like that's what the Lord kind of wanted me to do today. As I said, you'll hear from our team in about two weeks and several of them will share. But I just wanted to share from you with you today from a pastor's perspective, not just about this particular team but also about our church family because we are a family, we are a team and I want to encourage you to find your place in that. But today I really want to begin by just saying thank you. Uh, I want to thank you as a church family for embracing not really my heart but God's heart for our neighbors and nation in the nations who desperately need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for investing your time Thank you for investing your prayers. Thank you for investing through giving your tithes and offerings that help fund what we do uh, to our neighbors and the nations that help us fulfill our purpose. And we'll talk again as we share God's word, show God's love, and send God's people. Your faithfulness in that means so much. But I want to talk specifically a little bit about our team this week because I want you to know what a special group of people you serve with. Uh, Brother Bobby has shared with us several times in meetings he's been in on the state level, and they're like, how does your church, and, you know, they don't come out and say it, but I know they're thinking Podump, Heflin, Alabama, but uh, we don't think that. We believe God has given us a special place to live and serve. If you don't believe it's special, just spend a little time out from here. It is really, it is. And uh, they ask, how does your church support missions and church planners and partner with church planners all the way across the nation when you're not a mega church. Well, you really don't have to be a mega church. You just have to know you serve a mega God and have a mega heart for that. So nevertheless, I just want to tell you what a joy it is and what 
you should be thankful for as a church family for your team this week. This week, your, your people that you worship with every week didn't just serve a small part, but I believe a major integral part in making this kids camp such a success. Our rec leaders for the week, which were Brother Keith and Brother Steve, you can imagine what a great time those children had. Steve was quite entertaining to them, and, and Keith and him together just did a tremendous job. Uh, Brother Glenn and Brother Larry served on our snack team, and they made all kind of neat things, and Larry also was the resident janitor for the week. We had a little boy come up to him and said, uh, I know who you are. And he said, you do? He said, well, who am I? He said, you're the janitor. So anyhow, so he did a tremendous job there. I, I want to say this, about we call it story time, uh, you know, Bible study time, whatever we call it here. We call it story time there. And Miss Carrie and Miss Misty really just pitched it up, hit it over the fence. I mean, this, uh, your, your church, you need to know this, from your church, we're responsible for teaching the gospel to those children this week. I mean, exclusively, your church did that every day. Miss Carla did crafts like a champ. You can only imagine that Carla would have been in crafts, and she did that. Miss Christie uh, helped with taking pictures and just floating with the administrators and helping them with whatever they needed. Our crew leaders this week, Miss Donna, Miss Megan, Mr. Nathan, where's Nate at? Right here, Nate, seventh grader, was a crew leader this week. Uh, Miss Jana, and of course, Angie and myself served as crew leaders as well. And then uh, Miss Emma Grace, now affectionately known as Emma G, is, uh, was a fifth grade camper this week. So we had 15 total there. So I wanted you to know what your people were a part of. I didn't just want to talk... Uh, you know, generally, I want to be specific about that. But after about eight days at 5,000 feet above sea level and zero humidity, <laughs> y'all wanting to pack up today, ain't you, right? Uh, I mean, I say zero. It was a little bit, but it was so minimal, you couldn't tell it. I'd been there in the spring, but never been there in the summer. And it, even though it was hot, it didn't feel like hot here we quickly noticed the difference when we landed back in Atlanta and began that walk up the sky tunnel. We knew that humidity had returned to the earth, and, and we did. But I want to say to you, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs. And I told Brother Mark in Sunday school this morning, my teacher, I said, Mark, I already know what you and your sisters need to come together and buy your daddy for Christmas. I said, you need to buy him one of those fancy cappuccino machines because... He emptied it out at the hotel. I mean, he, he did. He, I found what Brother Larry's weakness is. It's cappuccino. And, and he likes ice cream too, but now cappuccino. Uh, and I also learned some other things about our team. They learned some things about me that I have multiple knives. But uh, I, <laughs> I learned that Misty Cobb is the only person I've ever met that ever asked to speak to the chef at Del Taco. That's the only person I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to know what degree angle they were cutting the tomatoes at. No, no, I'm not kidding. She's a good sport, but we did let her order first, and from now on, she will order last. But I, I did, and like I said, we, we realized that they don't take lightly sharp objects in your carry-on bag. I did. But the Lord has really spoke to my heart today to speak to you about this mission, and not just this particular one that's behind us, but what is ahead of us.
There were some experiences we had this week that were different from my first trip there. Somebody asked me, Bobby asked me the differences, and one of the things I noticed is that there is a greater degree of homelessness in the Salt Lake City area than there was four years ago. There is an increased amount of traffic coming out of the suburbs because you need to know our church planters in Harriman were at 54,000 people four years ago, and in four years that city has grown to 65,000, not counting the growth of the surrounding suburban areas. We learned real quickly that the T-shirts we wore and our accent gave us lots of opportunities to talk to people. Every time I'd say y'all, I encountered somebody who didn't either didn't know what y'all meant or encountered somebody that had moved here, there from the south that said, please talk to me, you are my people. <laughs> so we did. We had some real interesting experiences. A man stopping in Walmart wanted to talk with us. We talked with him. We talked with several people, but Glenn and I had a really, really heartwarming experience when we met a man named Doug. We met him on Monday morning and Doug came into the hotel breakfast area which was our favorite spot and of course Larry was at the cappuccino machine but anyhow we, uh, we were talking with Doug and he said, uh, gentlemen, he said, the Lord woke me up during the night and I began to pray and my wife began to pray and he said, the Lord told me that I want you to invest in a ministry tomorrow morning but he said, I didn't know what that ministry was or who it was and he said, as we sat there and ate a little breakfast, drank some coffee, he heard us talking about our day ahead and our week ahead, and he came over and he laid two $100 bills on the table. We've never seen this man in our life. He wasn't from Utah. He was from Corpus Christi, Texas. And he sat over there, and we said, Sir, what? He said, and he began to tell us a story. And, of course, you know us. We're Alabama people. We love God and we love each other. We weren't there to take anything from anybody. We were there to give. And he said, no, you don't understand. He said, you guys can't rob me of this blessing. Well, I knew we was talking to somebody knew Jesus then. Amen. And he said to us, he said, I don't know what all y'all are doing, but I hear you talk about it. He said, take this and invest it in that ministry. So we did. And uh, I told Glenn, I said, you, you take it and as you see needs this week in this ministry man can I tell you every bit of that we had a need where they were running low of water we bought a hundred dollars worth of water we just whatever it was we just invested because we knew that God had put us there for a purpose and we were there to fulfill that purpose and God greatly used it and I just I'll never forget Mr. Doug from Corpus Christi Texas and being such a blessing you know, I mentioned something about Del Taco. When we see a Del Taco, you children of the 70s and you teenagers of the 80s, when we see a Del Taco, we are stopping. Amen? Because uh, I'm telling you, that was our staple place back in the 80s. And I still ain't figured out how Taco Bell bought out Del Taco, y'all. I mean, Taco smell when we had Del Taco. I mean, I've never figured that out. I figured Del Taco would buy out Taco Bells and eradicate them from the earth and we would have nothing but Del Taco, but it's back in certain places and we just happened up on one. Woo, right? Well, we thought we were just getting tacos, but when we went in, and of course Misty closed the place down by speaking with the chef, but we, uh, we, uh, I began to watch the manager, the assistant manager, and he was waiting the front counter he was waiting the drive through. He was gathering up the orders you order off the app so you don't have to wait in line. He was wrapping tacos. He was doing everything. And he did everything he did with a smile. 
where most people would have been, woe is me, I got the counter, I got the drive through I'm having to wrap tacos, can't get no help, poor, poor, pitiful me. Not this guy. And as we began to get finished, and three hours later when I got my taco after Misty finished ordering, I, I, <laughs> our friend finally got a break. Somebody relieved him, Ray. He finally, and he was working like a wild man. And he went over and sat down, and I walked by him. I said, hey, I said, sir, are you the manager? He said, well, no, I'm the assistant manager. And I said, well, hey, I said, I, I just want you to know, man, I really appreciate you. You were working so hard, and you did everything with a smile. And I stuck in my hand. I said, my name's Brent. Well, sure. He said, my name's Caesar. And I said, well, Caesar, I said, uh, man, that's amazing what, the, what all you were doing. And we just want you to know, appreciate it. Thank you for feeding us tonight and serving us. And he said, where are you from? He figured out real quick, we weren't from there. And I told him, well, we're from Alabama. He said, well, what are you here for? And that's usually when we get prepared to take on the onslaught of, mm, you know. And I said, well, we're here to help serve in a kids camp down in Hiram and share the gospel with the kids during the church. And the biggest smile came over Caesar's face. He says, oh, thank you, Jesus. Everybody else done gone on the bus. And I was just going to, I'm here with Caesar. He said, I'm so glad you're here. He said, we need you so bad. And I said, well, Caesar, that's amazing. He said, and I found out, you know what, Caesar's a Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> and he's wrapping tacos with joy. And you know what he told me? He gave me his testimony at 12 years old. You know where he's from? He's from Compton, California. Does that ring a bell? Right? The Watts area, you know, riots, very unsafe, sleep with one eye open kind of neighborhood. He, he's from that neighborhood. He said, at 12 years old, I was in so much trouble. I was in boot camp. But he said, I met Jesus. And he changed my life. And he brought me here to help plant churches to share the true gospel in the Salt Lake Valley. Golly, Bob. So me and Caesar got a picture. We'll share that with you in a couple of weeks. He's quite a handsome guy. But anyhow... And the thing about it all was we really thought we were just stopping for tacos. But guys, there are divine appointments in your life where you are there to share the message of the gospel and sometimes you are there to encourage those who are already sharing. Caesar was such a case. There's a few other observations I'll mention to you is that uh, when you do order ice cream in Utah, always order small. Always do because... I mean, they are big on that. The, the ice cream is as big as the mountains there. And another thing was is we had a large group from Powell, Tennessee, outside of Knoxville, <laughs> demon territory. But anyhow, they, uh, we found out real quick that group has been infiltrated with Bama fans. Oh, I had so much fun. I, I even sung them my revised lyrics to Rocky Top, which I will share with you later. Uh, you're like, please, not today. I can't stomach it. But... uh. It was quite a deal, but here's the deal. We were blessed to have over 240 students registered in that kids' camp. We ministered to over 200 children every day for five days. And it was amazing how God used that for his glory. And one other side note, I had one great little buddy. He's an Arkansas kid. He can't help it. His mom and daddy have taught him this woo pig suey. How... I said, son, how much better does this sound? Rotate. <laughs> so I found out his pastor is a Bama guy. So I taught him how to say it. Go back, tell your pastor. He will think this was worth your trip. But all that's fun. But I just want you to know there's several things I want to speak to you directly about today. 
Angie and I had the privilege to work with sixth grade. Do you know how many people volunteer for sixth grade? Mm, yeah, none. Yeah, that's it. Me and Angie, we had a great helper, I guess. He was more than a helper. He was awesome. His name's Cooper. And Cooper is a Tennessee boy, lives in Powell, Tennessee, but he had a Bama backpack, so me and him connected immediately. It was the anointing of God. And we, uh, he worked with our group and was awesome. Not a lot of people want to volunteer for that age because sometimes times kids get that age, it's a little tough, right? And uh, I want to share a couple of things with you about that. We had 25, we averaged 22 a day. It was a great experience. I, I, I got a T-shirt here. I got a T-shirt. And this was our color, and it was called Living Masterpiece, Vacancy Church. The, the verse for this week was Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which literally means we are God's masterpiece. And I got all, all the kids wanted to sign it here. And there's a little circle in the back that says, kick right here. <laughs> You'll never know who drew that, the preacher's kid. But anyhow, yeah, yeah. Derek's son Judah was in my group. He was wonderful, though. We loved him. He was not mean at all. But I'll keep this forever. And uh, he's a little wild, but not mean. But I'll keep this forever because it means so much. You know, and I got something else. See, this was our class flag. How many of y'all woke up this morning singing Spark Studio? Rain? Yeah, you did. We only heard it 7,000 times. That same group of kids signed our little sign. We had a stick on it. We walked it around, and we had a big time. So I kind of taught them some little chants and cheers and stuff because if you have sixth graders, you're going to have to keep them engaged. If you don't keep them engaged, they can travel off on you real quick. And so we taught them a little cheer, and I got a little guy in the front. We're going to share this in just a second. The little guy in the front, his name's Jackson. He's the shortest sixth grader in Utah, I think. Jackson fell last year and busted his head open, so this year we kept him off the rails. And... Um, Jackson was our group leader on Friday, and he was so excited to be the leader. To your far left there, that's Judah. He's the one that wrote Kick Me on my shirt. And, uh, of course, you see Miss Angie, and this is Cooper in the other pink shirt. And we had sweet little kids, and we taught them a little, little cheer because they wrote on our card that sixth grade was the best. So we taught them a little cheer, and I added a little something to it. And, Steve, have you got that ready for us? Fire off when you're ready. Here is sixth grade at Kids Camp, Awakened City Church, Harriman, Utah, July 1st, 2022. Jackson is our leader today, and we're going to let you know our cheer for the week. Ready? Sixth grade is the best. Sixth grade is the best. Sixth grade is the best. One more time. Sixth grade is the best. Three clubs and a ring player. <laughs> we did have to teach them who the nature boy was too while we were there they, uh, <laughs> they had no idea I said something about hey give them a Ric Flair they said who's Ric Flair I thought we got some educating to do here huh? well, let me tell you why we do those things it's because we wanted and you could hear Jackson above them all on 6th grade a little guy and God used those boys and girls to speak into my heart and God used them in such a way and that's why I wanted to speak to you about these things today because these are things God put in my heart before I ever had the privilege to be your pastor. These are things God has expanded in our heart over this time and things I think will continue to go forward. But I wanted you to look at these couple of verses with me. and I want you to look first of all at that one in Jeremiah 3.15, okay? 
Follow along with me as we just read this one verse together. Here's what the Bible says. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. He says, I will give you shepherds. Some translations say pastors. It means the same thing according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. They will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, I want to, you don't have to flip there, but you might want to just write this down. I'm going to share this with you too because it is a, what I call a companion verse of Psalm 78, verse 70 through 72. And here's what the scripture says. Speaking of God, he also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So... David, he, David, shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. Let me just share a few things with you from these verses and then I want to make some observations and then I want to issue a challenge from God's heart to you. What I want you to know in Jeremiah 3.15 we found that he put shepherds and pastors in place and here was the purpose to feed them with knowledge and understanding. To take the word of God, embrace it, take it into his heart so that God could speak through his heart into the people that they would be fed with knowledge and understanding. Sometimes when you look at a group we had up here on the screen a minute ago of those 25 sixth graders, you say, well, that's just 25 little old kids. 25 little old kids in a part of the world where the gospel is not readily available. There's a false gospel that's very available, but the true gospel is difficult for them to discern because they have been so embedded in just, you know, with the false gospel. But when you look at them and you see, and I talked to kids whose daddies were brain surgeons, whose daddies were, you know, very successful people. We worked in two schools where the principals and most of the faculty are graduates of BYU or affiliated with the Mormon church, we were blessed to be a part of one school who one of the kindergarten teachers is a very one of the founding members of Awakened City who this past year was chosen as teacher of the year. <laughs> a Bible-believing evangelical chosen as teacher of the year in deeply rooted Mormon country is a big deal. I'm telling you, when we talk about those things, we have to feed with the knowledge and understanding is you can't look at those kids as just little kids. You must look at them as people who need Jesus. And I'll tell you, sometimes that's a challenge. It really is. But he talked about that in Jeremiah. When he spoke of David, he talked about David at a very specific time in the history of Israel because David was chosen as a child to deliver a nation and also he was chosen and taken from the sheepfolds because God had a purpose for his life. When you look at those little boys, sometimes you may just see shepherd boys, but God may see some kings. One little boy is in my group. I am convinced that God will call him to ministry someday because he has such a heart for the gospel and such compassion for other people. He said this in verse 72 that David, when he shepherded the people, he did not shepherd them with arrogance or some sort of attitude that he was above them. Amen? 
He did not do that. He shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart. How did he lead? He led with integrity. He had these things in his life that God had put within him that he modeled for the others. He not only led with integrity, but he guided them with skillful hands. It wasn't a skill that he had in and of himself, but it was a gift that God gave him. And I want to say this to you today too. God has given you gifts and it is your responsibility to allow him to use those gifts to the full potential that he may receive the greater glory. Amen? I believe that. So those are things that we must know. And when I talk to you about these things today, I'm talking to you as a pastor who cares for you, who loves you, who wants to see God use you mightily and greatly, who really desires to be down there with you. When they asked the other day, they started, and I noticed they said, hey, who will take sixth grade? I knew there weren't going to be a lot of hands. I said, all right, Ange, we got to put our shoulder on this thing right here. And it was just such a blessing, and there's no group I'd rather been with. I know we had Miss Megan, I think it was with fifth grade, and Miss Donna was with little ones, and I'm sure they'd say their group was the best. Amen? But the thing about it was is it wasn't anything more than the fact that I wanted those kids to know they were special and that their works weren't enough that they needed the good grace of God. So it brings us back to our core purposes that we talk about quite a bit. We're here to share God's words, show God's love, and send God's people. We are here to talk about the message. We are here to be involved in the ministry. I'll get that in a little bit, no problem. And we are here to be in the mission of sending God's people. And that's why I began today by saying thank you because if you had not embraced what God put in my heart for missions, none of this would be possible. Ladies and gentlemen, missions is not just given to Aunt Annie and Grandma Lottie and Cousin Myers and Mallory. That is a part of missions, but it is not the end of missions. It is a way to give to those we do not know, but there is something special about sending the people from your pew that you worship with every week. Why? Because they come back and they share with you, and I hope encourage you because I want you to know we're going to talk about some seats on the bus here in a minute and I don't know what your seat is but I know you got one amen I know you got one I shared on Wednesday night before we went to Utah something I had read recently that just really stirred my heart I've been reading this book called Canoeing the Mountains it was about leadership in uncharted territories and Christian ministry and it was written before the pandemic because Boy, this is even more true in the pandemic coming out of wherever we are. Now, who knows? We're in one of those little roller, roller coaster loops. Who knows? But there are some things that the author said that just really stirred my heart that I hope you will embrace because we have no choice of whether to be involved in the mission of sharing and spreading the gospel. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have crossed the line. You are no longer your own. You have died to yourself. You have been bought with a price. And the Great Commission is not optional for the local church. Amen. It's not something we can say we'll do if we got the time, if we got the money, if we got something left over. No, God is not calling for our leftovers. He is calling for us to give our first fruits in the best of our time, effort, energy, and our time. So, so here, here's what I want to share with you. And this is what the author, Mr. Bolsinger, said. He said, 
To live up to their name, local churches must continually be moving out, extending themselves into the world, being the missional witnessing community we were called in to be, the manifestation of God's going into the world, crossing boundaries. Oh, we crossed one this week, didn't we, team? Hey, look here, we're in enemy territory. You can call it what you want. Crossing boundaries, proclaiming, teaching, healing, loving, serving, and extending the reign of God. In short, churches must keep adventuring or they will die. We need to press on to the uncharted territory of making traditional churches missionary churches. It's no longer, this is the way we've always done it, it's no longer we ain't never done it that way before, preacher. It's about crossing the boundary and saying, I will go and I will serve and I will give my life for the glory of God. He said traditional churches will not become missional churches or missionary churches just by mere tweaking of certain things. There are no quick fixes, no easy currents to drift us lazily toward our collective goals. Traditional churches will only become missionary churches as those in authority, those in leadership, develop capacity to lead their congregations, listen, through a long, truly transformational process that starts with a transformation of the leaders. Did you hear me? I'm going to back up in a minute. And requires through thoroughgoing change in leadership functioning. What did he say? We will not change if we don't commit to the transformational process. We've been in that process for six years. We've, like I said, experienced two years of pandemic and all that. We will continue through this process and we must be committed to the process. The process will not be short. It will not be easy. But I believe with all of my heart it will bring glory to God. Where does that start? It starts with leaders like me, the pastor who must lead and feed and intercede. The pastor who must shepherd skillfully, not because of what I bring to the table, but because of what God has put in my heart for his people. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me today. It starts with that, but let me say it extends to our other leadership. It extends to those who teach in our church, those are deacons who serve in our church, those who sing the songs in our worship, those who do all of these things. It extends to the guys who make me sound as good as you can, and boy, I appreciate y'all because it's hard to do that. It, it extends to every person who serves in any capacity. It extends to all of us that we might be committed to the process of being transformed into a missional church. I really believe that. Then he speaks specifically to pastors here. He said, for many of us who've been at it a while, it's like we woke up one morning and found ourselves ministering in a cross-cultural setting where we do not understand the custom language or values. And I want to tell you, that's so true even in the Bible Belt. I don't understand some of the things I've seen take place. I don't understand some of the complacency. I don't understand some of the casual approach to Christianity. I don't understand just the flippant attitude toward the gospel and the Great Commission that we see all across the place. And I don't want that to be us. Do you? 
You don't want that to be us, do you? You don't want us to be a church filled with casual Christianity, which is really no Christianity at all. You want us to be a church that's biblically Christians that are following Jesus, surrendered to the gospel for the glory of God. Isn't that what you want? Uh, That's what I want. That's what God wants. But we have so much of this stuff. We find ourselves where we don't understand the custom language or values of even the church anymore. We are now in uncharted territory facing the same adventure, live or die moment. And if traditional churches are going to become missionary churches, then pastors must truly become missional leaders of missional communities. That's why I'm telling you, I don't believe my role, like some people think a pastor's role is some kind of CEO where you just say you're kind of sitting in the seat of the stagecoach whipping the horses and telling them to go. Now, I really believe that responsibility is to be like Jesus and get out in front of, the, uh, front of the horses and say, this is the way we're going. Come on, go with me. Amen? Amen? I really do. Let me just share this week. Christian community is not merely about connection, care, and belonging. Did you hear that? Some people think that's the end of it. No, it's part of it, but it's not the end of it. Spiritual transformation is not just about becoming more like Christ. It's the end of itself. They tell us we're living in an era of post-Christendom, and here's what it's saying. In a post-Christendom world that has become a missional field right outside our sanctuary doors. Christian community is about gathering and forming a people, and spiritual transformation is about both individual and corporate growth. So both of those together participate in Christ's mission to establish the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. God's calling of a particular people, you and I, is for God's saving purposes for the world. And can I tell you where it goes? That is for his saving purposes in our Jerusalem, which is Heflin, Alabama, Cleveland County, Alabama. This is our Jerusalem. It is for our Samaria, which is our regional area around us. It is for, excuse me, it is for our Judea, which is our regional area. It is for Samaria. That's just where we came back from. Amen? I want to tell you, you say, no, you were in the United States. Oh, yes, we were, but it sure didn't feel like it. No, that's Samaria and even to the ends of the earth, which is across the waters. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. God's particular people for his saving purposes have been called to share that gospel, not in just one of the four, but in all four simultaneously. Ooh. You say, preacher, that's a big old commission. Yep but it's because we serve a big old God. So as I speak to you today on these things, I want to ask you two questions today, and I'm done, okay? Y'all going to get out early. Y'all might even beat the Methodist to lunch today, okay? (laughs) If you do, please tell me. I'll never let that happen again, okay? (laughs) But, But give me your attention just for the next little bit, okay? All I've said to you today is just a little prelude into two questions I want to ask you, and I'm going to give you some answers to the questions so it's not a test that you'll fail. The only way you fail is if you just fail to engage. One, if we realize that this is Christ's mission, how will you participate in Christ's mission? You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I I really... (laughs) It all sounds well and good, but I just, you don't realize, it's just, I'm just not 
It's just not for me. Well, you got to hear me. Hear me good. When you participate in Christ's mission, you can participate in one of two ways. Well, you should do both, and you shouldn't pick one. You should do both. One is I believe every Christian, as you participate in Christ's mission, you do so by giving. You say, wait a minute, does that mean what I put in the offering plate? Yes and no. You should participate through giving your tithes and offerings because they're holy unto the Lord. The Bible commands us to do so, and there should be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But that's not the end of it. When you participate in giving, God is asking you to give your total self and everything he's entrusted you to him for his glory. How do we know that? The Apostle Paul is a wonderful example. He said this, that he died daily. I mean, he died unto himself daily. He said in Galatians 2.20 that he is crucified with Christ. Over and over and over, he tells us, Galatians 6.14, he tells us, but God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ. He had nothing to boast of. He tells us as we learned at kids camp this week in Ephesians 2 that it's by grace through faith that we say that not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have nothing to glory in and Paul makes it very clear that he wants us to give our total self. Let me ask you today, what are you holding back in and of yourself, giftedness that God has placed within you that you have refused to be used for the glory of God either because you have got too much pride or you're just not concerned enough? There's a second one. You participate in Christ's mission by giving, but you also participate by going. Now let me tell you this about going. That going may involve going across the street. That going may be involved going to the next town. That going may be in your neighborhood, or that going may be something that makes you uncomfortable like me flying an airplane. I don't care how many times I do it. I still don't like it, y'all. Some people say, I love flying, it's just wonderful. I don't know about you, but it's kind of one of those things. If you're on that airplane, you're flying it, you know, you got that little screen. We were only 37,000 feet in the air yesterday, traveling at 542 miles an hour in a vehicle that I had no idea how to operate. But when we started, when he says, uh, seat belts, please, that flight attendant goes over and buckles up, you know what that means? It's been to get bumpy. And when it starts bumping and a couple of times, you know, all this kind of stuff, and you, know, you know what I didn't do? I didn't say, all right, here's my boarding pass. I'm tired of this ride. I'm tearing it up. Let me off. You know what I had to do? I had to trust the pilot. I had to trust that his training and his expertise would get me to Atlanta. And then when we got off the plane, I go by him, hey man, thank you. And he is red eyed. He's like, oh, it's been a long time. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I always look at him when I get on. Hey man, y'all rested well. You and mama getting long hard at the house. I mean, uh, I mean, I just, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Now, your going may involve a lot of different things, but here's the deal. You ought to be willing to go wherever God sends you, however he chooses. And we talked about seat on the bus. Here's what I shared with one of the gentlemen from Tennessee this week. He said that he and his family had considered making the move to Utah to plant their family and help with the church plant. 
they decided after a period of time that, that was not God's will for their life. And you know what I said to him? That is nothing to be ashamed of. Did y'all hear me? I know you hear some people say, well, if you really love God, I guess you just must not love God. No, 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 no. You know what I told him? I said, Corey, I know my seat on this bus is not to live here. I could not do it. When you go up to a middle school and there are signs on the lunchroom door of numbers they can call for suicide prevention, I am concerned. Church, we ought to be concerned about stuff like that. And I said to them, this is not my seat on the bus. Here is my seat. My seat is to send teams... My seat is to send money. My, my seat is to motivate the church of Jesus Christ to get involved. My seat is to come here on short term, but I got to go back to Sweet Home, Alabama. I miss my humidity. No. But I know where my seat is. I understand that. And you say, well, yours is not as important as that. That's not true. We all need each other. So you're here in this church. You say, look, I enjoy going. I couldn't stay there. That's fine. If you're in this church and God calls you there, that's great. But whatever God does, make sure you're willing to give and go. Give yourself for the glory of God and go wherever he sends you. So that's one question, and I got one more. And that is this. Not just will you participate, but what is your place? Well, here's things you need to know, and that's kind of led into it with what I just said I know that our place and your place that you must understand is that we must be in the place of serving and we must be in the place of sending can I tell you this church do you know how many more areas in this country need church planters just like they do in Utah and I know you're saying preacher you're crazy you're nuts if you think we, this is all we can do. We can't do any more. This is, this is it's just too much. No, 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 this here. If we do, we start limiting God's ability to use us and we start measuring our worth by ourselves instead of letting him measure it. But you do this by serving and sending. I gave you a list of how your people serve this week. Can I tell you? There are people from Harrison, Arkansas and Powell, Tennessee I mean, they brought probably 15 teenagers from Powell, Tennessee, and I'll tell you right now, if we hadn't had them, we'd have been sunk. <laughs> there were some that had to work one-on-one -on -one with special needs children, and there was some one girl I know, she probably had 40 million bruises on her because she had a special needs child that, that started out the week uh, mean and ugly and hitting and kicking and punching, and by about Wednesday, she loved him so much that I, now he was hugging her. But what I'm saying to you is, is we saw people there lead worship. We saw people there do skits. We saw people get involved in everything. You know why? Because they cared. We had one group that drove 21 hours, heaven forbid, 21 hours to get there. You know what that is? That's a sacrifice. And if you're going to be used for the glory of God, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice. I remember when I was in eighth grade, they taught a class. I don't even think they teach it anymore. It's called civics. <laughs> and in civics, it was usually taught by a coach. Mine was taught, tell them we'll be there in just a minute. All right. Yeah. And uh, we had a very uh, colorful coach that taught us. And uh, to say the least. But yeah, I don't remember learning a whole lot, but I remember learning the preamble. 
y'all ever have to recite the preamble? But I really didn't learn it from my coach. I learned it from Schoolhouse Rock. Y'all remember? We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty. For ourselves and our posterity do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. <laughs> Y'all were impressed, right? Look at her, Nate. Nate, you know, you know what? You, you're going to go. You're going to see your buddies next week. So I'll tell you what, our preacher, he can sing the preamble, right? Kind of like this little girl one time, she went home and put on her social media after church. She said, you know you're in a cool church when the pastor says, come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, why did I tell you that? July 4th is tomorrow. Some people think that on July 4th, 1776, that, you know, Thomas Jefferson wrote this big thing called, you know, the Constitution, you know, or, you know the, the Declaration of Independence and and that John Hancock and all these people, 56 signers, signed it. And that day, immediately, America became a nation, and it's just been hunky-dory ever since. That's not true. Because this thing, I just did the preamble, 1787. Eleven years later, it, it took a while for all that to come together. There were still many battles to be fought. So why did I tell you all that? Because as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ we don't need to declare our independence. We need to declare our total dependence. We need to declare our total dependence on him and say, Lord, we are your people. We have been called by your name. We are here to humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. We are here so that you might forgive our sin and heal our land, that you would hear from heaven today, your people, because we are ready to go, we are ready to give, we are ready to serve, we are ready to sacrifice, we are ready to sin, we are ready to do things. Why? Because we have limited you for too long. And Lord, today the shackles must come off our feet and hands. And God, as you release them and release your people into the work you've called us here, don't let us get complacent. Don't let us become casual. Keep us focused on the gospel message. Keep us focused on the mission so that you might receive the greater glory from our lives. So here's my invitation today to you. God's invitation through me to you. And you can take this any way you want. You can keep holding on to that pew. You, you can be sit soaking sour in the pew from now till Jesus comes. But I'm here to tell you that he is calling us from the pew to the field. And your pathway to the field is when you're on your knees in an altar of prayer saying, Oh God, send me where you want me. Use me how you choose that you might get the greater. So the invitation today is this. Would you, today as we invite you to come to Christ, if you don't know Christ, church, I want to invite you, if you do know Christ, to find you a place today and say, oh, maybe God, I've just put limits on you. Maybe I've just kind of decided, you know, I'm just going to hang out here. I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at. <laughs> but there is no growth in the comfort zone. 
and there is no comfort in the growth zone. So if you find yourself here today and you're uncomfortable, it could be that the spirit of living God is saying today is the day you must declare your total dependence on me. Whatever it is God is leading you to do today, I plead with you to bring it to Jesus. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for the call to go. I thank you for the call you're extending right here in this room today for your people to be totally dependent on you for everything. And I pray, Father, that we will not only hear it, but that we will heed it and that we will respond based on what we have received today. Thank you, Father, for the call you placed on my life. Thank you, Father, that you trusted me with far more than I deserve. And, Father, I pray that I would daily be compelled to fulfill that. God, I thank you for the people you have entrusted to me to serve. I thank you for those you allowed me to serve alongside. And I pray, Father, that I could lead, feed, and intercede. God, that I could uh, shepherd God with the skillfulness of what you placed in my life. God, I have nothing, but you have everything. And I pray that sons and daughters today would come to Christ and say, oh, God, I'm dependent on you take me and use me as you will and I'll give you praise in Christ's name amen and amen let's stand to our feet today we're going to sing this old song I need thee every hour I need thee oh I need thee as God speaks to your heart today would you respond whatever God leads you to do today we'll be here to meet you Marty you lead us when you're ready
sing that chorus with Marty. Sing it when you're ready, Mark. I need sing that chorus once more and here's what I want to ask you to do church I want you to sing it like it's the last time you're ever going to sing it because it might be and I want you to sing it like you're about to enter the very throne room of God spend eternity in glory with him and I want you to sing it like you really mean it from your heart from your toenails to the top of your head let's sing this chorus Marty you lead us when you're ready now. Thank Jesus for the word of God this morning. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated. And our ushers will be coming around and they're getting ready. They're coming now. And as they're coming today, I want to encourage you to be faithful as always in our giving, our tithes and offerings. And like I said this morning, more so just giving of yourself. You know, I remember telling y'all quite some time back, and something's always stuck with me about this little guy who uh, visited a little church and, like ours. And, uh, usher came by and he didn't have no money. And he went down the thing and he chased the usher down and he pulled on his coat and he said, son, you need something? He said, I need to see that plate for a minute. <laughs> usher thought he was fixing to make a run for it. But he took the plate and he set it on the floor and he put his feet in the middle of it and he said, Jesus, I don't have anything money to give you today so I just thought I'd give you me. That's always stuck with me. And I want to encourage you today as you give, remember that this, this is you giving you, all you. Give yourself, totally dependent to God because he loves you that much. It's one thing we kept stressing this week to those folks in Utah was, yes, God does love you like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants, you to, he wants to change you. He wants you to be like his son Jesus he wants to purchase you with the blood of his son and make you his own. Boy, I tell you, we'll be sharing here in a few weeks more, so I'd encourage you to pray much for the team as they prepare on that. But as we give today, let's give from our hearts the glory of God. He's been so good to us, even in these hard times, even in $5 a gallon gas, God is good, amen? And he's still providing food for us. He's providing shelter. He's providing clothing. He's, he's been good. So as we give today, let's be faithful and let's ask God's blessings on our giving. Father, we come before you this morning. We just thank you for the testimony we hear of the mission trip to Utah this week. Father, the seeds have been planted in Utah. We ask that you'll water them, that you'll bless those people there, and that you will just have a great harvest from Utah. Father, we want to thank you today for the freedom that we have to live in this, this such a great land, Father. We just thank you for your blessings upon us. Thank you for blessing us individually, collectively, and as a church. We just thank you. Father, but as we've been blessed, we understand that we're to tithe. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity.
Tomorrow all the things were gone I'd worked for all my life And I had to start again With just my children and my wife I thank my God above To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the man who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up next to you And defend her still today From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, from New York to LA, where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say Sing with me I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the man who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up next to you And defend her still today There ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Amen Amen Hey, just remain standing if you will I, Every time I hear that song I remember the first time I heard it I was a this spring of 1984, I was a seventh grader at high school here, and it was when that song was brand new. I was on my way in. Dwayne was on his way out. So I remember, you remember I'm playing that at awards day, the very first day, first when it first came out. And I remember the, just the, just the, just the thoughts of how, you know, that God would let us be Americans. He didn't have to do that. Amen. And we got our problems. Still the greatest country on the face of the earth. But I want you to know we need God to heal our land. But as we pray for him to heal our land, we give thanks for him 
giving us the wonderful gift of living and growing up in this country. Amen. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate it. Keith was, I rode with Keith all week this week, and he's so glad I'm not riding with him this week. I can tell you, I, I, I tell you what, but he, he's, uh, he's good. Everybody did great, and I'm just thankful. But thank you for that. This Wednesday, we're off this Wednesday night for the holidays, so nothing here Wednesday night, and then we'll be back next Wednesday on regular schedule. But hey, pray much this week. Have a great holiday. Know I'm praying for you. Uh, pray much for families in our church that are dealing with all sorts of stuff still. You know, while I was away, my dad spent the whole week in the hospital. My daughter, Brooke, had to deal with him, and she's so glad I'm home. But anyhow, <laughs> but anyhow so we had a, but it's getting better. But I just want you to know I love you, church. And when I tell you every week that I love you and there's nothing you can do about it, I mean it. And I do love you. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And I look forward to a great week. Pray much for the coming week. And just know your love. Marty's going to sing us out. And I'm going to go around front to meet you on your way out. So Marty, when you're...